Open your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 12. We have started several weeks ago a series on the gifts of the Spirit, and we looked at different aspects and parts of this, and tonight we're going to look at, in particular, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And we are going to just you know, go through and look at examples in Scripture and, and see how does this apply to us today. Because I'm convinced that the gifts of the Spirit, as we commonly call them here in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, the list that we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians 12 is not an exhaustive list because you can find more of them over in Romans chapter 12. There's other gifts that are mentioned there. As well as the ministries, the five-fold ministry uh, gifts are also a part of this, as well as the ministry of government is a part of this, right? You find that in Romans 13, and, and they're called, it's the word deacon, it's where we get our word deacon from. And some people don't view government as that way, but they are ordained by God to do a certain function, and in Romans 13 it details out the function they're supposed to fulfill, which is to bless those that do good and punish the evildoer. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what, what, I, what I started saying was I'm convinced that we have over-spectacularized these gifts usually. That most of the body of Christ that even believes these gifts are in existence for us today, they, they think that you know, there's going to be something wild that happens for it to qualify as one of these gifts. And the truth is, is, I'm sure that most of you have walked in the gifts that we're going to discuss tonight, but you just didn't recognize it as such because it was at a more micro level than one of the big flashy, splashy ones, right? Because when the big one that gets everyone's attention, yeah, you know, when we read through Acts, there's word of wisdom and word of knowledge all over the place. But do you think that those are the only times that the apostles experienced word of wisdom and word of knowledge? No. They were just big flashy ones that we're going to make a good teaching thing, right? And so the Holy Spirit saw that it was included in the Word of God for us to read today. But those weren't the only things that were happening in their life. And we, we look at this, this list and we read this list, and some of them will be very obvious when they happen, and others are not as obvious when they take place. <clears throat> Let me, uh, before I actually... No, let's start reading and then I'll, then I'll come back to this over-spectacularizing these gifts. Alright, starting in verse 1, it says, Now concerning spirituals, or concerning spiritual matters. The word gifts is not in the original. The translators have added it there to try to make it make sense. But the truth is, he's saying about now concerning spiritual things or spiritual matters. Right? I do not want you... To be unaware. I do not want you to not know about these. It was God's design in heaven that today in 2023 the body of Christ would know about these gifts is why this wound up in the Word of God today for you and I. Because not only did Paul not want the Corinthian church to be unaware of these things, but you and I. He doesn't want you and I to be unaware of these things. Alright, so let's look at verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one's speaking by the Spirit. So, the point is, it's inspired by God. It's not just parrot speaking, 
but it's inspired utterance. No one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't declare Jesus the Lord of your life without the Holy Spirit convicting you and helping you see your need, giving you revelation of your need for Him. It's impossible. You can say Jesus is Lord and not believe it or mean it, but that's just that's something different. But he, that's why he specifies by the Spirit of the Lord. Now in verse 4 it says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries. This is, this is the Greek word that we get our word deacons from. Or ministers from. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. Well, we know that in Ephesians 4 it talks about the fivefold ministry. The, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, right? The fivefold ministry, their jobs to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. In verse, so that's given by Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians 4, it says Jesus gave that to them. And then in, in verse 6, it says there are different activities or different workings, but the same God works all of them in each person. So we've got the gifts of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God works on the inside of the individual, and then we have the ministries that Jesus gives as gifts to the individual that are gifts to the body of Christ, the fivefold ministry, including ministers in government. Government ministers. Now, just because someone's a minister doesn't make them of God. Right? There's a bunch of heathen pastors today, unfortunately. Right? Just like there's a bunch of heathen people in government. Just because they stand in an anointed place does not make them anointed. Alright? It says there are different workings or different activities, but the same God works all of them in all. So, we, we recognize that not every pastor is the same. There's different workings of pastoring within. Or we could take it to the home. There are different fathers. Just because Austin carries the mantle of father, the calling of father in his home, and Steve carries the calling of father in his home, they're completely two different father types. But they're both fathers. There's different workings. They're still both fathers. Well, in the same way, in the gifts of the Spirit, you see, for example, gifts of healings. You see one person being used by the Lord to heal people of tuberculosis, and then another person is used by the Lord to heal people of cancer. And it's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. So even though they're both in the realm of gifts of healing, they're used differently. Same way with all the other gifts. Word of, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. One person may be used one way in the word of knowledge and another person is used in a different way. One person may be used in a setting like this in word of knowledge and another person is used out on the street in the word of knowledge or in the workplace and so forth. Alright, look down here in verse 7. This is a key verse. A manifestation... Actually, we weren't done with verse 6. There are different activities, but the same God works all, both the gifts and the ministries, of them in each person. And then it says a, a showing up of, or an exhibition of, or a bestowment of. And the word manifest means to make visible, right? To make visible, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good is given to each person. I hammer this every time since we started this series is that's everybody. Everybody can operate in all of these gifts. I didn't say everyone will operate in all of the gifts, but everyone can operate in the gifts. It is God's plan and His will that you function and operate in these things as He wills. 
not as you will. Now let's remember, a key to all of this is all the way back in sentence one of this chapter about spiritual matters, not natural matters. It is by divine appointment these things happen. It is divinely given inside of you. It's not something, for example, word of wisdom or word of knowledge is not something that you know because you just really studied the matter out. And now you know what you should do. A word of wisdom and a word of knowledge in this case is it's a spiritual thing that was given to you. About a natural thing, sure. Right? I mean, God can even use the most natural way to get it to you. I remember once I received a word of wisdom from someone that was not even a believer. I mean, he was an atheist. Doesn't even have the Spirit of God in him. So he says to me, he didn't know he was giving me a word of wisdom. He says to me this, this line, and the Lord, the Spirit of God on the inside of me, said, that's your answer. That's what you need to do. So the word, he didn't know he was giving me the answer, right? But the Lord knew, and he immediately got my attention. So a natural way was used of getting it to me by divine revelation. Because if the Lord hadn't told me that's your answer, I would have went away and said, what does he know? Right? So, it's revelation. Alright, let's keep looking here. A, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. <clears throat> to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles or the performing of miracles. And let's just stop there for a moment. To anyone who thinks these are natural gifts, oh, you know, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge is like a, a teacher or someone that just has a gift of wisdom. No, that's not what it says. It's a word of wisdom. It's specific for a specific situation. Right? If these things are natural, explain working of miracles. Yeah. See, the whole thing falls apart there if these are supposed to be natural things. They're spiritual things. Alright, let's keep reading. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Most modern translations really butcher the wording of that one up. They'll read something like distinguishing between spirits, <clears throat> which is sort of right, um, but it's not being discerning. There are discerning people out there. Another way we might say it is just be led by the Spirit of the Lord. Alright? Be discerning. But that's not what this gift is. This gift in particular has to do with seeing in the spirit realm. And we'll, we'll teach on that um, another time. I was going to say next time, but sure as I say that, I won't. So, <laughs> To another, different kinds of tongues... Now, I just want you to notice this is not talking about known languages because chapter 14 makes that real clear. But notice that he said different kinds of tongues. Different kinds of tongues. There's more than one kind of tongue. And he specifies that right here. Different kinds of tongues. And then to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Now, through this list, there's nine gifts listed. And for the sake of teaching them and making it simple, we divide them into three categories, right? 
into lists of three. They're not mentioned that way in Scripture. We just do that for teaching's sake and, and to, to make it a little simpler. So the three revelation gifts, what they do is they reveal something. They're revelation gifts. They reveal something that you could not know by yourself. They reveal something it's by spiritual of nature that the Lord just suddenly gives you a knowing of something. They reveal, right? They open up your mind to it. And those three are a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. They're revealing gifts. Then there's three gifts that we call the power gifts. These gifts, they do something, right? So, the gifts of healings, the gifts of healing, really the word gifts is graces. Graces. Now, you know what graces means, right? It's God enabling you to do something you cannot do on your own. That's what grace does. So, grace is not God overlooking something. Grace is not mercy. You will always find grace and mercy hooked up together. Or you find one, you find the other. If you find mercy from God, you will always find His grace to now overcome. So they're, they're linked, but, but grace is not God just putting up with something or overlooking something. Grace is enablement. So graces of healings. Alright, we're talking about the three power gifts. Three that do something. So there's gifts of healings. There is the working of miracles. And then there is special faith. Those three are the power gifts that do something. And then we have the three speaking gifts. Three, what do three speaking gifts do? Well, they say something. Pretty simple. See how this is working? We break it into these categories just to make it simple to teach. So we have the, the three gifts that say something. And what are those? Those are tongues. The tongues to people. The kind of tongues that need interpreted. Or... There's the interpretation of it, right? And then there is prophecy. is also one of the speaking gifts. Now if you look over toward the end of the chapter, we discussed this at length the previous two times, so I'll just briefly mention it because of what I'm going to say next. <clears throat> is Sometimes the question is asked, well, which gift is greater? Because at the end of the chapter, it lists them, and then it, he ends with saying, well, desire the greater gifts. Desire the greater gifts. Well, first of all, you know, we, we've established and we've looked at, well, what gift is the greatest gift? What's the one you need in the moment? Right? If you need, if you need to be delivered in a financial situation, what you don't need is gifts of healing. Right? That's not a great gift right now because that doesn't help me in my financial situation. So what you need is the gift that maybe a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge on what a stock price is going to be in six months, right? Something that you can do something about. So that's what you're needing in the moment. Well, here, you know, he says desire the greater gifts. Um, I do think there are gifts that are greater than other gifts. And maybe we would say it The reason I say, now, do not hear more valuable. Greater doesn't mean more valuable. Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. Did that in any way diminish the value of Jesus? No. No. So greater doesn't mean more valuable. So in the the three gifts, in in the revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, I believe that the word of wisdom would be the greatest of those three. And the reason is, is because a word of wisdom has to do with the will and plan of God. 
See, if we would just know the will and plan of God, we'll be so much further ahead, right? Knowing the will and plan of God. What does God want and what is His plan? Because if we know what He wants and we know what His plan is, now we can get on board with that. But if you're in the dark and confused and don't know, well, now perilous, right? You don't move any direction. So look here. He says, uh, so the word of wisdom is, reveals the will and plan of God, so I believe that would be a greater of the three. If you look at the power gifts, we would say special faith would be the greater. The reason is, is because often in Scripture, and we'll see this again and again in the coming weeks, that one gift will come accompanied with two or three other gifts. They rarely come alone, especially in the spectacular moments. There's often two, three together, all wrapped up in one. And we'll even see that tonight with the revelation gifts. So what we see is often special faith will lead to the other power gifts as well. The working of miracles or gifts of healings. And then finally, in the speaking gifts, we would say prophecy is the greatest because that's what he says over in 1 Corinthians 14. He says prophecy is greater than tongues and interpretation. Well, tongues, tongue is equal. Let's say it that way. Prophecy is equal to tongues with interpretation because they accomplish some of the same things. All right, come back up to verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a word of wisdom. You would just hold on one moment. Let me look at my notes to make sure I'm not missing anything before I move on. Okay, perfect. To one is given a word of wisdom. This is a word or a, you could say even a sentence of wisdom, but it's not all wisdom, right? It's a specific wisdom. How many of you have ever had a knowing on what to do suddenly? just knew. I know what to do, right? That's a word of wisdom working in you. Now, it might have not been spectacular, but the Spirit of God on the inside, we, often when we talk about receiving a word of wisdom, we say it this way. The Lord led me to do so-and-so. Or on the inside, I felt like the Lord told me to do so-and-so. That's just a word of wisdom. The will and plan of God and what you should do. But it's for you individually. It's not for the common good. You didn't stand up in church and proceed to say it out. So when I said earlier about we over-spectacularize it, I think that most of us have experienced a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge fairly often. We just don't recognize it as such, and we call it being spirit-led. But see, there's all kinds of levels of faith. There's no faith. There's little faith. There's growing faith. I'm quoting Jesus and Scripture. These are all phrases you can find in Scripture. There's weak faith. There's strong faith. There's overcoming faith. There's all kinds of levels of faith. In fact, in Romans it says we go from faith to faith. So there's levels, right? It's not different faith. Weak faith or strong faith is still faith. It's still the same God. It might accomplish different things, but it's still faith. Well, in the same way, when you get a revelation on the will and plan of God, word of wisdom, 
Now, there can be little, little ones on the inside that just show you, you should go to work this way today because, because you don't know why. But later you find out there was a traffic jam over on the other road and you wouldn't have got through. Word of wisdom for you. Just being led by the Spirit is how we would normally call that. But it's the will and plan of God for you being revealed to you. That's the same thing as a person who stands up to someone and says, oh, the Lord shows me that you are looking for a person in... For example, first time I went to the country of Turkey, I actually was a stopover. I was coming home from Ukraine. And... Um, I had spent a day or two there in Turkey, and uh, when I came home, I just couldn't get Turkey out of my heart, right? So I began to pray, and I'm asking the Lord for, Lord, what's this about? Is this you? Because there's, I don't have any contacts. There's no reason for me to keep thinking and, and having that on my heart. And, and so I began to pray and say, Lord, if you want me to be involved in that nation, you need to bring me a contact, because I know nobody. Well, within... I think two weeks of me being there, I hadn't put it on Facebook, and none of this stuff that I was looking for a contact. I have a friend that was only a recent friend. I'd only met him like two, three months earlier. He texts me and says, are you looking for a contact in Turkey? I'm like, why? And he says, well, this morning in my quiet time, I was praying and the Lord told me that you need a contact in Turkey. See, that is a word of wisdom for, that he received for me. He says, one of my best friends is, is, lives there and is doing the work of the Lord there. And so there you see how a word of wisdom was used, right? Maybe that's a little bit more of a spectacular way, right? And we can tell stories like that all night long. But the point is, is... Just like faith, weak faith to great faith is still faith. Being led by the Lord is still the will and plan of God all the way through, whether it's great or small. And if we'll just press in there, let me say it a different way, if we will yield more there to the promptings on the inside and to the knowings that come to us on the inside, I believe we will see more of the spectacular as well. All right, back here. One is given a word of wisdom to another a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. This one here is one that um, I've probably seen operate in my own personal life more than any of the others, the word of knowledge. And it's usually a knowing of... A word of knowledge we describe this way is certain facts that are established in the mind of God. Certain facts, past, present, or future, that are established in the mind of God. Now, some people will teach that a word of wisdom is always future and a word of knowledge is always past up to present. But I think we can find too many examples in Scripture that refute that. And that a word of knowledge, if they are certain facts that God knows that He's revealing to you, that can be past, present, or future. It doesn't necessarily have to be because it's His will. For example, when the prophet Agabus stood up in the early church in the book of Acts and he said, I perceive by the Spirit of the Lord that there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. And that was all. He didn't go on and say, and we should do something about it. He just said, I perceive by the Spirit of the Lord there's going to be this famine. So that's future 
And it's, we know famine is not the will of God or the plan of God. So even though it's future, it's just a word of knowledge. We know what's coming. And so then they did choose to do something about it, and they sent relief to the people in Jerusalem to help them, financial relief. So word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And isn't it great that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells on the inside of the believer, He knows all things. He knows all things. He knows what you need to do to be successful in your current situation. He knows what you should do to have successful relationships. He knows whether or not where you should go, what you should or should not do. He knows it all. But you and I don't. We have such a limited little sliver that we know. And so we have that on the inside. Everything. Someone who knows everything. Now we don't need to know everything because He knows everything. And if we did suddenly know everything in our natural, these earth minds, these, these minds that are not souped up like they will be after we are on the other side, right? When, when the Lord returns and we have our, our new bodies and all of that, then we'll be able to know even as we are known is what Scripture says. But I think if we knew even as we are known right now, our mind would probably go kaput. You know, be our, our brain, let's put it that way. Not our mind, but our brain. Because this is not our subject, but your mind and your brain are two different things. Your brain is a physical organ that allows you to think and things here in this earth suit. But your mind, you will still have your mind. That's in the soul realm. Even if you were to die, you still have your mind. You have your, we look in Scripture and people that went to heaven and hell, they had conversations, they had memories. right? They still had their mind. They recognized each other. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Let's go over to John chapter 4 and we'll see an example in this. Jesus operated in these a lot. And in the Old Testament, you will find all the gifts of the Spirit manifesting there except for tongues. Tongues is the only one that didn't. That was, wasn't until the New Testament. But all the other gifts of the Spirit, we, we can find those in the Old Testament prophets and certainly in Jesus' ministry. So in John chapter 4, verse 7. Now, if you're not, if you're not uh, familiar with the Bible story, I'll just give you a, a brief history here. So Jesus and His disciples, they are walking past this city called Samaria. Now, Samaria is full of people that are half Jew and half something else. And so they're considered half-breeds. And they kind of have their own religion. I mean, they're also from Jacob because they're half-Jewish. They have their own religion. And the Jews have theirs, of course. And they don't get along. There's enmity and hostility between the two. And you would never, you don't associate with them. Right? Well, Jesus and His disciples go walking past this village or town. And they stop at a well. And the disciples go into town to buy food. While Jesus is sitting there, in verse 7, it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? 
You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a fountain or a well fountain of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. Now look at Jesus' response. This is a word of knowledge. You have correctly said, you do, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Because they did not know each other. He had no way of knowing this in the natural. And yet, by divine revelation, the Lord showed him this. The Lord showed him this. God showed him this, right? The Spirit of God showed him that this woman has had five husbands. And the one that is she's now with is not her husband. That'll mess with most, not, not most, many churches' theology, right? At least how I grew up. You know, we believed that once you got married, and if you separated and were divorced, and there was no such thing as remarriage. And, furthermore, if you got married ten more times, your true spouse was still the first one. And until you go back to the first one, you're in adultery. That was, that was how I was raised. I was raised conservative Mennonite, if you're wondering. So, here, Jesus, interestingly enough, didn't teach that. He said, you've had five. He recognized all five of them. Five husbands. He didn't say, yeah, you had one husband and have now lived with five other guys that were not your husbands. No, he specified, he said, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. So he recognized all those as legitimate, apparently. So, anyhow, it's not a marriage class tonight, but still the word. So Jesus has this word of knowledge for her. It's a special manifestation for that moment to minister to her. For the common good. Because the result is Samaria, a whole bunch of people in Samaria believe. That's the result, end result. And you know, Jesus needed a word of knowledge just as much as you do. He didn't know everything. Put up Mark 11 on the screen. Um, Mark 11, verse 12 and 13. Jesus, he walked by faith. It says he emptied, Scripture says he emptied himself. Right In Philippians, he emptied himself and came to the earth. And so he did not use his godship as, that's not how he walked the earth. He walked the earth as son of man. He, he, had, he was God, but he walked the earth as son of man. He walked in faith. And in fact, let's just say it this way, he was tempted in all points as we were, Scripture says. I believe he could have sinned. I mean, I don't know what would have happened. The whole place would have probably dissolved. I don't know because 
God doesn't sin. But he had to have the ability to sin, else it's not a temptation. It's just theatrics. And it says he was tempted just like we were. And in order to be tempted, you have to be able to do it. Here in Mark 11, this shows us that Jesus didn't know everything. It says, the next day when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry. After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. If Jesus knew everything, like God knows everything, then he wouldn't have needed to go to the tree to find out if it had figs, to see if it had fruit on it. He would have known. Don't go out there. Don't waste your time. But he goes out there to find out and discovers it doesn't. So just like you and I, he needed words of knowledge. And in this case, he received a word of knowledge from the Spirit of the Lord, and he ministers it to this woman, and you see the fruit of it. Go over to Acts chapter 5. Now these, these illustrations in the book of Acts, what is Acts? Acts is the Acts of the early church. The Acts of the church. Are we still the church? Yeah. So the Acts of the early church, we're just living in chapter, you know, 2023. Or we could say chapter 29. It's a really long one. But we are still in that same church that he started back then. Look in Acts chapter 5 and we're going to see examples of word of wisdom and word of knowledge. In fact, you're even going to see discerning of spirits. All three of these happening together sometimes. In verse 1, it says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and bought a portion and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they did, together decided to lie and present it as though they were giving the whole thing. They didn't have to give the whole thing because later Peter said, Couldn't you, do, you could have done whatever you wanted with it. So that wouldn't have been wrong. The wrong part was that they decided to try to make themselves look good and lie about it. So verse 3, Ananias Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. Now, we see this is a word of knowledge that Peter operated in. That's how he had a knowing about a situation that he couldn't know about otherwise. That Ananias is lying to him. Have you ever had that unshakable knowing suddenly that someone's telling you a lie? There you go. I bet you're glad they didn't fall over dead though. Or maybe you're not. That was supposed to be funny. At least thank you to the two that laughed. All right, look over in chapter 9. Acts 9 and verse 10. Now this is after Saul, the persecutor, was on the way to Damascus and there is a bright flash of light, there is a voice, and the next thing he knows, he's talking with someone, discerning of spirits is what's happening for him, and he's blind. Okay? Now, there's another guy in, in verse 10 of chapter 9, it says, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. This is not one of the apostles, he is just an ordinary person like you and I. 
He is an ordinary believer there at the church in Damascus. And the Lord said to him in a vision. This is discerning of spirits happening right here. So within the umbrella of discerning of spirits, he is going to receive both a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom inside the realm of discerning of spirit. See how they come together often. Here I am, Lord, he replied. Ananias. Here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house, and he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. So here you see all three of those things happening. Words of knowledge, those are certain facts, where he is, that he's prayed, and then gives him direction on what he's supposed to do. You go and lay hands on him. Okay, look over in chapter 10 and in verse 19. This was, remember Cornelius? He was the uh, Italian regiment leader, general something, right, in the military. And he loved the Lord and, and he'd had this vision. An angel spoke to him, told him to call for Peter. So in the meantime, many miles away, Peter is... Let's look here in verse 19. Well, Peter had just had a vision, okay? Discerning of spirits is what he had. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Word of knowledge. Three men are here looking for you. Word of wisdom next. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them. No doubts at all. Because I have sent them. And so, sure enough, he goes with them preaches the gospel at Cornelius' house, and this is the first time that the Gentiles receive Jesus as Lord and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Look over in chapter 11. It's talking of word of wisdom and word of knowledge working together. In chapter 11, look at verse 27. <clears throat> I already spoke about this a little bit earlier. In those days, some prophet came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas. So there you have a word of knowledge. Look over at chapter 16. When Paul and Silas are in prison and they are praising the Lord at midnight and there's an earthquake and everyone's chains fall off, right? 
But the building's still standing. Amazing. And the doors are opened, apparently. Because the jailer thinks everyone has run away. And it's the middle of the night. It's pitch black. Can't see anything. So, verse 27, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, because that was going to be his end result, right? Once, once it gets out that the prisoners have escaped, I'm going to be executed. So he's just going to do the job for them. So he was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for lights. Why? Because you can't see. Well, if he couldn't see, neither could Paul see. How did Paul know nobody left? Word of knowledge. Had a knowing. He just knew by the Spirit of the Lord, this was it. Hadn't happened. Right? So, so the jailer calls for lights, comes in, and then he ends up being saved. His household, a church gets planted because of a word of knowledge. Go over to chapter 21. And verse 10. Here we have this same guy, prophet named Agabus. He came down from Judea. Verse 11, he came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul, he had his mind set on going and he went. And those things happened. Look at verse chapter 27. Chapter 27. Um, this is where Paul is now prisoner. They're going to take him to Rome for his trial in Rome. And they're going to take him by ship. And in, in uh, verse 9, it says, By now much time had passed. The voyage was already dangerous since the Day of Atonement was already over. Paul gave his advice and told them. So he's speaking to his guard and the captain of the ship. Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. So here, Paul is receiving a word of knowledge about future events. Right? This isn't the plan and will of God that they have a shipwreck. Paul's telling them, I can see this is headed for trouble. Because he just had a knowing. God revealing something to him. Word of knowledge on the inside. Well, you know the story. They went ahead and had the shipwreck. And again, a church was planted. In verse uh, 21 and 26, we see more on that. Let's just read those because it, it covers this. So, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up. This is after the, the storm had been going on for a long time. He says, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of God I belonged to and served stood beside me. Now, here he experienced the discerning of spirits to be able to even see this angel and recognize this angel. And the angel gave him a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. He says, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So now he tells the men, so take courage, men, because I believe God. That it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. And so then, that is what happened. 
So how does this work in you and I's life? You know, maybe it's more memorable when it happens in a service like this, and it's something that, man, someone's called out or something like that. But in your own life, how many times has the Lord given you a knowing and a word of knowledge about something or a word of wisdom that has absolutely altered the course of your life? I mean, I can tell you many stories in our lives. One was when, when Carson was very little and we were living in Colorado at the time and I was at a meeting sitting around, a bunch of people sitting around my, my kitchen table and someone came to borrow the car and as I heard the garage door going up, for that lady to take the car, suddenly the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of me gives me a word of knowledge. And he says, Carson is about to get backed over. I didn't hear an audible voice. It was just on the inside. A a strong knowing suddenly. You know, Carson's about to get backed over. And so, for just a brief nanosecond, I hesitated because I had been really dealing with overcoming fear. That's just a fear trying to talk to me. But no, I know. My sheep know my voice. That was the Lord. So I leap up and open the door, garage door that leads out to the garage and yelled, Stop! And she stops and looks at me all startled. And I walk to the back of the car and here just outside the garage door, but below her line of sight from inside the car, Carson is sitting on his trike, frozen in fear, seeing what's happening. And so she would have backed right over him. So the, that alters Carson's destiny, his life, Right? Spared us from experiencing tragedy by having a word of knowledge. Boom. So those are more of the spectacular ones, right? That we go, wow, that's saved a life. Then there's the, the ones that aren't so spectacular that maybe you don't even tell anybody else. Or maybe you do to encourage them that, hey, you too can walk. This is the Lord when you have this on the inside. Many of you probably remember the story of. of the word of knowledge that I received for the pin to enter into my mobile phone when I was in Turkey. And my my phone got shut off. We were at the house of Mary, Brian Wills and I, and we're wanting to take pictures. And he takes my phone and accidentally shuts it off. Well, when you go into Turkey, we take, uh, we would buy SIM cards and they would put them into your phone and get your phone all working on, on their system. Well, I didn't know because that was my first trip into the country of Turkey that when you do that, there's a four-digit pin on the back of that that you need to keep handy and you need that to restart your phone. I didn't know that. So here we are up there in Ephesus at the ruins, you know, where Paul preached all of this at the house of Mary and um, wanting to take pictures and he shuts my phone off. And I go to restart it. It's asking for a pin. I've never seen that before. Four-digit pin. Well, I have no idea. And I realized that, uh uh-oh, here I am, first time, ruins of Ephesus, and no phone. And I am just on the inside, Brian doesn't know, devastated. Like, no camera. No way. I was so disappointed, you know. And I try to just, you know, act like it's not that big of a deal. And yeah, yeah, it's okay. You didn't mean to. But man, I'm bummed. I walk off to go to the bathroom and, and when I go into the bathroom, I just say out loud because I was irritated with him. How do you shut my phone off by holding the power button down? I mean, come on. You know, I'm, I'm irritated. And so I just say, he doesn't know it, but I know it. And I say out loud as I just walk into the bathroom, I say, I, for, I forgive and release you, Brian, 
I know you didn't mean to do that. You owe me nothing. Lord, I'd really like to have my camera. Finished my business, and as I'm leaving, crossing the threshold of the bathroom, stepping outside, this four-digit pen just floats up on the inside of me. This knowing. And I'm like, nah. And I keep walking. You know, my mind is just playing tricks on me. And I take, you know, maybe ten steps, and I'm like, it's still there. And I'm like, yeah, but what if? I mean, it doesn't hurt to try it. So I pull my phone out and put in the number. It worked. And then that night when we got back to the house, I pulled out the card that the SIM card had come in, and it was the exact four digits on the back that the Lord had given to me. So a word of knowledge that it didn't save anyone's life. It, didn't, it, it, it wasn't good for anything except it blessed the socks off of me. That God cared enough about me, about a desire I had. It wasn't a need. I just wanted to be able to take pictures and that he would show that to me. And it encourages you now, right, as testimony. We're getting to closing time. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you two more of how these can work out in your life. Many times a word of, of knowledge or wisdom may come to you even in pictures. You may just see something. Like sometimes when I'm praying about the service, the Lord doesn't say anything to me. I just see a glimpse, a snapshot. Like, for example, I see a whole bunch of people in the front kneeling down in an altar call. Okay, how did they get there? I don't know. But I know that's going to happen. And then sure enough, you come and it happens. So again and again, the Lord will lead me that way where I just see something, right? You just, I saw something in the Spirit, not with my natural eyes, I'm saying on the inside. And... Um, one time in Colorado, we were uh, at this, I did hardwood flooring, and I was helping Pastor Jay at the time, and we're out on this job, it was a Brazilian cherry floor, and we, we water popped the floor before we put the finish on it. What that means is, when it's all sanded and all ready for finish, and all vacuumed, all clean, ready, you take a, a damp rag or damp mop over the whole floor, and it raises the grain of the wood so that it can accept the stain better. Right now, instead of when you sand wood, it closes the pores of the wood off. When you put water on it, those pores open up and it can now accept more of the color of the stain you're putting on it. Well, we, we water popped this floor and then we came in and stained it. And the next day we come back to put the finish on and man, there's all these weird, like real light colored marks on the floor. Like, what is that? I mean, like, big arcing marks and across multiple boards, you know, it's just not... And I've, I've been doing hardwood flooring for 14, 15 years at that point. I've never seen something like this before. I don't know what this is. And all the, I, I was the one with the most experience on the job. There was probably five of us, four or five of us. And we rack our brains in the natural to figure out what did this. Because if we don't know what did it, we can't keep it from happening again, number one. And number two, we're going to have to re-sand, fix this. And it's a huge job. It's in Aspen, huge houses. And we're going to have to fix this, but it's not going to do us any good to fix this if we just do it again. And so there's lots of money on the line. And we have reached the end of ourselves, of all our thinking and cross-thinking and cross-examining what could possibly have done it. And I'm sitting on some steps 
looking at the floor, and I thought of in, in James, where it says, if anyone lacks wisdom to ask of God, and he'll give it liberally. So I began to pray and say, Lord, I'm asking you, just quietly under my breath, like about this loud, you know. I said, Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom. You said to ask and that you would give wisdom. So Lord, I ask you for wisdom on how this happened and what to do about it to prevent it again. How can we keep this from happening again, Lord? I'm asking you for this, and because you said that if we ask, you would give it, I now believe that I have that wisdom on the inside of me. I, just, I, I didn't have a clue in my natural mind. But I knew that in Mark 11, where he says that if you believe that you have received it, you will have it, past tense. So I began to thank God. I said, Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that you've given to me. I thank you that I know how this happened. Father, I thank you that I know how to prevent this. I'm so excited. And I got up and I said, I know how it happened. And they're looking at me. My natural mind, I don't know anything. They're looking at me and I said, thank you, Lord, that you showed me what happened. I know exactly how this has happened because you have given wisdom to me and given it to me liberally. Two of the guys aren't even believers. They think I've lost my marbles. But Jay's looking at me all expectantly, right? And just at that moment, I saw something on the inside. I saw leather knee pads. Leather knee pads going across the floor by themselves. Just like in a cartoon. Like, that's what I saw on the inside. And I jumped. I said, hey, Kendall, he was one of the guys working with us. I said, go out to the trailer and get your leather knee pads. And so he goes out and he brings them in and we look at it and here there are some pieces of grit embedded into the leather. And when he would get down on his knees and we'd do edge work all the way around the edges or anywhere where there's a corner, we'd have to do hand sanding work, right? He'd be on his knees and then he would scoot back and, you know, be on, and he was, it was making all those marks. You couldn't see it on the sanded floor. It was only after we stained it. And so I said, okay, put on. I took him over to one of the spots that had the marks in a corner. I said, okay, do exactly what you did when you did the handwork in this corner. So he gets down, goes through the, his knee, went the exact arc. Of, of, and we identified what it was, right? So now we knew how to prevent it. Stay off of your knees when you're doing the handwork <laughs> after this, right? Check your knee pads. Put a cloth on it. Different things that we could do to prevent it from happening again. Did anyone get saved off of that? No. But the Lord didn't limit the gifts of the Spirit just unless someone gets saved. Right? He's there to help you. He is called the Helper. Our Helper. I'll give you one more and in closing. Worship team, you can come. This one here had me for a little while had me confused because I thought I had failed in it. <clears throat> it was a word of knowledge. It wasn't a word of wisdom. But it was a word of knowledge that affected someone else's life. And see, sometimes the Lord will show you something so that you can do something about it. If the Lord shows you something, do not automatically assume that you need to go blab it. Well, the Lord shows me that so-and-so is into so-and-so. Well, then you shut up about it and talk to the Lord and find out what you're supposed to do about it. Okay? 
If the Lord shows you something, the next question, even if you're sitting in the pew, and we do words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretation in this house. If you're sitting in the pew and you feel like the Lord gave you something, check in with Him first. Is that for here? Is that for the public setting or is that for a private individual? Right? And then go with what the prompting you have on the inside. Well, in this case, um, it was October 16th in 2014. Now, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I grew up in Missouri, and so I like to watch and root for the only team that matters, the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Well, it was game five of the National League Championship Series. They were playing the Giants in San Francisco, and it was the top of the ninth inning. The bases were loaded. The score is tied, and we have two outs. And Oscar Taveras comes up to bat. Now, Oscar Taveras, he was one of the fan favorites at that time because he was clutch. He would come through in the clutch. So it's top of the ninth, tied score, bases loaded, two out, and who better but Oscar comes to the plate. Yay! And as he stepped into the batter's box and took his position on the inside, I suddenly had this knowing just come up on the inside that this is the... I better read it so I don't say it wrong. This is the last at-bat of the Cardinals' season and the last at-bat of his life. That's what came up on the inside of me. I'm like, whoa, what? Well, I guess I'll find out if that's accurate here in a little bit. Is this? Sure enough, he made an out, which was two outs, so that was the third out. Well, in the bottom of the ninth, the other team scored a run, won the game, eliminated the Cardinals, ended their season. So it was the last at-bat of the Cardinals' season. And so I sat there kind of stunned about it. And what do I do? What do I do about that? I mean, I don't know him. I can't just call him up and talk to him. What do I do, Lord? And so I didn't know what to do, so I prayed for him. And I prayed and, and I said, I cancel any plan that the enemy has for him and for his life in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank You that You would send someone to minister to him, someone that he'll listen to, someone that has his ear. Send someone to minister to him. And I went to bed. It was a West Coast game at night. It was really late here, right? Or early in that case. <clears throat> Tell you the truth, I forgot about it until ten days later. When again, I'm sitting on my couch. And it was October 26th. And the news blurb came on that Oscar Taveras and his girlfriend were killed in a car accident down in the Dominican Republic. I remember at the moment I cried. Because I thought I'd, I'd missed it somehow. You know, the Lord showed me, and, and I believed the Lord wouldn't tell me something like that unless I could do something about it. And I thought, man, I did something wrong. I didn't do something right. I, I, somehow I should have, I could have, I... I, what do I do, Lord? And I missed it somehow. You know, now he's dead. And I think I might have even at the time shared it from the pulpit and talked about how I believe I, I missed God or didn't have enough faith or something. Well, fast forward a period of time and I began to pray. And I started, I fasted and prayed to be exact, saying, Lord, what should I have done? What could I have done? What was my role in this? And the Lord showed me, He said, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. You didn't miss it at all. You asked me to send someone to Him, and I did. 
You prayed for him, and I gave him opportunity after opportunity to avoid that night. And he didn't. Well, okay. So the Lord tells me that. But when you hear that story now in the natural, the confirmation of that, wow, that was relief to me too. Because shortly after that, I saw a news article about the whole thing written uh, or an interview of Oscar Tavera's best friend, Carlos Martinez, who was also a Cardinals player. And he was his best friend. They were both from the Dominican Republic. That's why they were friends. And Carlos Martinez said that he tried his best to talk Oscar out of going down to Dominican Republic for that offseason. He kept telling him, I have a bad feeling about this. Don't go. Just stay here in the States. Let's go down to spring training. Let's stay there. You can stay with me. Don't go to the Dominican this offseason. And Oscar was dead set on going back home for the offseason. So Carlos Martinez, being a good friend, said, fine, I'm going with him. So he goes with him. They're down there in, in the Dominican. And the night that he got killed, before he left, they were all together at, at Oscar Tavares's house. And they were getting, or, or maybe they were, yeah, I think they were at Oscar's house. And Carlos Martinez pled with him not to go out that night. They were going to go to some party, him and his girlfriend. And he pled with them, please don't go tonight. Stay in tonight. Please don't go tonight. What is that? The Lord is sending someone to him, to him that has his ear, but he's not listening. And so he and his girlfriend went out and got in the car and just a couple miles down the road, high speed, went off the road, killed them both instantly. So it wasn't that I missed God. I actually did what the Lord wanted me to do. I did my part. But so when the Lord tells you even something like that about a situation that's like way outside of yourself, take it to the Lord, ask Him what you should do about it. And these kind of events, they, could, they can save lives. Of course, if you're ever dealing with another person, they have their choices too, right? We can't override their free will. All right, stand with me if you would. And um, the next time we talk on this subject, we'll, we'll cover discerning of spirits much more in depth and... Was this helpful to any of you tonight? So, let, let's say this. Lord, I present myself before you. I ask you to lead me. I ask you to direct me. I ask for you to work in me in the gifts of the Spirit as you will. Thank you, Lord. Now remember, you have to yield to Him even in the smallest ways yield to him let's say this someone's going to walk in the gifts of the spirit and it's going to be me all right let's worship him Thank you for being good to us. Thank you that there is no badness in you, but you are only good continually. We bless you, Lord, and we worship you. So good. So good. During worship, I felt like I saw that there's an individual here. That
God wants to melt a spirit of discouragement off your life. So just take a moment right now and check on the inside. Does the Lord have his finger on your heart? I believe he's speaking to you tonight. You felt like you've been deserted. You felt like people have left you. You felt perhaps even God deserted you. But he wants you to know he was with you all along. He was with you in it all. People have free will. People make their choices. But God was there to carry you. And he wants you to know tonight, if you allow him, he'll melt that off of you. He's not done with you. You still have a work to do. So lift up your chin. Lift up your head. Square your shoulders. And prepare your heart for what God wants to show you, what he wants to do through you. Because you still have a job to do. Will you do it? Be encouraged. Allow the peace of God tonight to wash over you and a fresh refreshing come upon you as you surrender your life in the way you thought it would be to him. Surrender it to him and trust him. And then get up and walk it out. He's there to help you all the way. I'm going to just pray over you. If you believe that was you, I'm going to pray this. Lord, I thank you that you are all powerful and that you've given us the name of Jesus that's above every name. And so right now, that spirit of discouragement, that spirit of, of oppression, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You are no longer allowed to inflict your damage against these people or this person. I command you to leave. And Father, I give in the name of Jesus peace upon this person, these people. Peace upon them, within them and upon them in every way. Lord, strengthen them even in this moment. Cause a, a radiance to well up from the inside out like that fountain of living water. Right now, we release life to you in Jesus' name. And amen. You are a part of a supernatural body of Christ. Nobody is a natural body of Christ. Come on. It's supernatural. We live a supernatural life. We live in supernatural ways. We serve a supernatural God. We, we walk in supernatural ways. We encounter supernatural encounters. And we see supernatural results. Someone say, that's me. We'll come out to the Armada Landmark this week. Every day, Monday through Friday, starts at 1 p.m. have three sessions in the afternoon and then a session at 7 p.m. in the evening. There is no dinner served here. So when you come, just know that you're gonna, there's going to be a break for dinner that you can go find dinner or go to various places or go to your homes, whatever you want to do. And, but bring, come expecting to hear from the Lord, to be blessed, to be used by the Lord, and to minister to those that are around you. Can we do that? Alright, one way that we love God in this house. Is that just something we say or is that something we do? We do it. Alright, awesome. Go to it.
Good evening, everyone. God bless you all, and thank you for coming to Church of the Word International. We're blessed to have you. Very grateful you're here. I would like to encourage all of you in our time of worship tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Do you ever think of yourself as peculiar? It's actually a good word in the Bible. All of that, that you would show forth praises unto him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who's into his marvelous light here tonight? Amen. Glory to God. Well, it's our privilege, our honor, and our duty to show praises toward our God. And how often will Psalms 145 tells us that answer. I will extol you, O oh my God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. You don't want to go a day without lifting your voice up and praising the Lord. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and, you, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious. Has he been gracious to you? Yes, he has, and full of compassion, and slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. And all your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you, and they will speak of the glory of your kingdom. So it goes on. It's a great psalm to read. Psalms 145, it talks about God's greatness his glorious majesty, his graciousness and mercy to each and every one of us. So think about for just a moment three things that you can thank and praise God for right now. Something happened good today to even every one of us. Maybe something happened really great yesterday. But whatever it be, there's all of us can think of three things that we could praise the Lord for, right? So let's stand up together as family. And there's something about a corporate anointing where we come and worship the Lord together. It intensifies, it, it increases, it enlarges the territory of the kingdom of God. When we come together like a puzzle, you know, hooking into each other, worshiping the Lord and praising him for his wonder, majesty. So think about those three things that you can thank him for as we enter in our time of worship. How many are alive in him? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That sounded like there was some half dead ones in there. Let's try it again. How many are alive in the Lord? Hallelujah. 
We are going to take communion here in just a moment. So ushers, if you would, you can prepare the table and the elements. And as soon as that is prepared, let's start from the back row. You can file up the center and out both sides and we can have both aisles come at the same time or both sides. And um, since we have a little more room up front here, we can utilize it. I'm going to read to you. Actually, maybe I'll wait to do that until until um, you have the elements in your hand. So when you take the elements, just carry them with you to your seat, and then we will take them together. And here at Church of the Word, this is a family affair. And so everyone is invited, men, women, and children. And um, when I was little, you know, they didn't let me take part of communion because... They said I was too little to understand it. Well, the truth is, is mom and them didn't understand it either. But they still got to take part in it, right? Because they believed that Jesus was their Lord. Well, if you believe Jesus is your Lord, then I invite you to come and take part of what He has made available to you. He is a great God. I know that I stand in a house that's full of people that need redemption, right? That need to be redeemed. Because without it, you're hopeless. And we stand upon the finished work of Christ at the cross. And what He suffered for us and took upon Himself for us and took our place, that redemption is available to you and I, right? And, and normally we refer to redemption as past tense, right? I am redeemed. But the reason I'm saying we all need it is because nobody here qualifies for heaven without it. Come on now. All right. Here in Luke, I'm going to read to you for just a moment about how Jesus, what happened. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now we know that the kingdom of God is within us. And that when he died and rose again, and the Spirit of Christ could reside on the inside of the individual that is the kingdom of God and so he was speaking about just a few short days away the kingdom of God was come so let's take the cup actually let me just keep reading before we do it It says he took bread gave thanks broke it gave it to them and said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you the new covenant someone say new covenant covenant. this is the new covenant in his blood now all the power of heaven backs up the covenant that he made with you and I all the power that God has available within him and is available around the earth today. I mean, the stars hang in the sky at His command. That power backs this covenant. 
And if we'll stand and we'll agree with His covenant, there is nothing on heaven, earth, or hell that can stand against it. So let's take that covenant and let's believe it for the removal of our sins. We are children. Father, we thank You for Your blood. The blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Lord, thank You that You have given to us Your righteousness, Your name. You have made us Your children. And we're so grateful for this, Father. Thank You that You, have, you watch over Your Word to perform it, to accomplish it. And that not one part of Your covenant will go unfulfilled. And we lay hold of it, Lord, in faith. And we say, it belongs to us because You said so. In Jesus' name. Now take the bread if you would. And if you need healing, all of us, I said, need redemption. And I'm sure all of us at some point in our life have needed or will need healing. Physical, fleshly healing in your body. And we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, when in Isaiah 53 where it says, by His stripes we are healed. By His wounds we are healed. That He was talking about Physical healing, not spiritual healing. And the reason we're bold in that is because there is no such thing as spiritual healing. You're born again, not spiritually healed. The old has passed away. All things have become new, Scripture says. Otherwise, it would say the old has been renewed. Right? But it doesn't. It says all things have passed away. Everything is new. It's talking about the new birth. When Jesus comes and lives on the inside of you. So the healing He was talking about had to be physical. Furthermore, in Matthew, when Matthew quotes that Scripture in Isaiah, he said it applied to physical healing and said, showed how Jesus healed people in the flesh and that that was the fulfillment of what Isaiah had said. Well, we know that the New Covenant didn't just end with Jesus, right? It's now, today. So if you need healing in your body, remember, all the power of heaven backs up His covenant. Take the bread. I like to break it because it just helps me remember His broken body for me. And let's take it for our healing, for our divine health. Lord, I thank You for this covenant of life and health, of eternal life and of health even in our bodies now. And Lord, we lay hold of Your promises that it would be unto us according to Your Word, just like Mary said. And Lord, for every person here that's needing healing in any area of their body, in the name of Jesus, receive it right now and be healed, whole, healthy, renewed, completely in Your flesh. And I thank You for it, Lord. I thank You, Lord, that You have caused us to rise up in strength. That You renew our strength. Like the eagle. That we will run and not be weary. That we will walk and not faint. And that You empower us to do these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can take your little cups and pass them into the center aisle and they'll come by and pick them up. Speaking of healing, we have... Where's Alan? We have Alan Zimmerman back in the house with us tonight. Amazing, amazing what God has done. And um, they opened up his head and they took out something that does not belong. 
And now he is like a spring chicken, right? Full of life and health. What's a spring chicken? I don't know. That's something we say. They bounce real good. Yeah, they're, they're full of life. Let's put it that way. So God is so faithful and so good. Also special tonight, before we dismiss the children to their classes, I want to call up Silas and Adrian. They are graduating high school, 2023 graduates. If you would, come down here to the front. We have a gift for both of you, and I would like to pray over the both of you. Did you have any wise words you wanted to tell us or anything? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Hello? So... Thank you, all of you who have sowed into us since we started school. I know we've both been in this church for a very long time. So thank you to all of you who sowed into us and helped us along the way. Awesome. I second that. Um, Really, a lot of the lessons that we learned when we were kids in, you know, Sunday school or children's ministry, whatever you want to call it, uh, really did mean a lot. And I learned a lot from it. And it really developed us, you know, growing up to where we are now. So those of you who serve, um, just know that, you know, what you're doing is very important. So thank you. I would that our church would be full of young men like you that love the Lord, that serve Him and are submitted to Him. Hallelujah. (laughs) Here, let me just grab both of your hands at once. Father, I just thank you so much for these young men. And I ask you to bless them. Lord, by your Spirit, lead them, direct them, open up their eyes, give them revelation to see how you would have them to go and what you would have them to do. Lord, as they uh, step into this next season in life, I ask even for uh, the right people to come alongside of them and to walk with them in this journey. And Lord, even if, if this is in your plan, that the right woman would come along and, and be a good wife to them. In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You may be seated. Well, that was fun. All right, let's send the children to their uh, classes and the teachers. And while they're going, feel free to um, say hello to someone. If you see a new face, go make them feel welcome. Well, good evening to you all. It's good to be here with you all and see my church family again, as always. So we're going to prepare and to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring one to you. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. We would like to welcome you here if you're here for the very first time. So anyone that's here for your first time at Church of the Word, can you just raise your hand? I know we have maybe at least one right here. Welcome, we're so glad you're with us. We trust you'll be ministered to. And uh, that's just a card, an information card. If you'd like to fill it out, you may, and uh, place it in the basket as it goes by. We'll turn to Psalms chapter 96. 
You know, tithes, tithing and bringing offerings to the Lord is a demonstration of worship. We worship the Lord, amen? In verse 4, in chapter 96, it says, For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He's so worthy. It's due Him. Anything we could ever bring the Lord, He is worth, uh, he is worth it, and more. It says, He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So he's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our praise. But now, is the only thing involved in worshiping God just praise? Is that the only thing? You know, we sing that song, you know, we worship the God who is. We worship the God who was. Evermore will be. And we'll sing songs like, uh, Lord, I give you everything. Okay, and then just don't talk to me about tithing. You know, don't, don't talk to me about bringing an offering, God, but I give you everything. See, we, what we worship, we will place a high value on. We will place a high honor on, you know. And so as we keep reading here, you'll, you'll see this, that our giving, our gifts that we bring to the Lord is part of our worship. It says in verse 7, it says, Give to the Lord, all you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So you see here that as part of worship, as a demonstration of worship, we're to bring the Lord things of value. Bring the Lord your gifts. And yes, that's going to involve every area of your life. But, you know, if I say, well, Lord, I worship you. You know, I'm going to come to church. I'm just going to say how great you are and praise you and lift you up. But don't touch my life. Don't get in, you know, involved with what I want to do or my things. I want to run the show. I, you know, my money's my money. Don't, you know, people, church people always talk about money. Don't talk to me about money. Well, you're just revealing who you're worshiping. And sorry, but it's not the Lord if that's the case. Now, I trust any, nobody in this house is like that. I believe that I speak to a heart, people that have hearts that worship the Lord, that honor the Lord. I truly do. We have the best people here. I do believe that. But worship involves more than just lip service. Amen? So let's return the tithe and any offerings we've brought from a heart that loves the Lord and just wants to honor Him in sincerity. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be here tonight. And Lord, we want to worship you in, with sincere hearts. We want to love you with our whole heart and honor you. So we present our tithe as part of our worship. And we praise you for all the good things you've done in our life. We praise you and thank you for the way you've provided time and time again. And we look to you to provide in the future. And we just thank you that we can trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Ushers can pass the baskets and people will give to the Lord. If you have a bulletin, you'll see here that we've got the Richmond service. And Richmond, Virginia service is at 2 p.m. tomorrow. So be in prayer that the Lord would have his way there. We have... Um, VBS is coming up. 
Let's jump down and talk about that. If you would like to give a donation for VBS, you can certainly do so, and we would greatly appreciate any of that. So Kelly is heading that up. If you have it in your heart to give monetarily to that, just see Kelly and she will tell you how that should look. Landmark is starting on Monday. Anyone excited? I was a little flat. <laughs> Yay! You know what? Let it be a landmark in your life. What are you expecting for next week? You, you expecting anything? Usually people find what they look for. So, you know, are you expecting God to, to speak to your heart? Are you expecting God to, you know, are you a greater awareness of his presence, a greater experience of his presence? Are you expecting to have the Lord move through you? See, if you're not, you, you certainly won't. I mean, if you're not coming with an expectation and looking to be a blessing, looking not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing, it just won't happen. Like I said, people usually find what you're looking for. So, so what are we looking for? You know, I had to think about that. Um, you know, whether it means standing up in public to say something, are you, are you available for God to move through you? If he'd give you a word of knowledge for somebody or, or a tongue, or are you willing to put yourself out there and really, you know, expecting a landmark moment or time, week in your life where God would provide answers for the things you're facing in life, where God would be able to impart strength into you, and you go out changed. So I just wanted to encourage, and, and for myself too, you know, like, what am I expecting to get out of next week? Because we all got stuff in the schedule, and if we're just going to, okay, yeah, that's on the schedule, and we're going to be there, and we were there, and it all happened, and that, that's not what I want to have happen. I want to have it be a landmark moment where God spoke to my heart, God provided answers, or I was a blessing or uh, was able to encourage someone else. So that was my encouragement on that. So that's starting Monday through Friday. Sessions are at 1, 2, and 3, 15. And then the evening session is at 7. There's only child care for the evening session. So, All right, Pastor, are you ready to come and share what God's put in your heart? For tonight. Before I begin the sermon, I wanted to make, in the vein of announcements, um, Troy and a team from Ghana Initiative are needing a ride to, which airport was it? Is it Dulles? Okay, Washington Dulles. On July What, what day in July? 9th, okay. I wrote down July 2th, but so I missed the second word. There's the second number there. T-H, tooth. So it's July 26th to August 9th is the return date when they would need picked up. So there's nine of them. So if, if you have a big vehicle that can accommodate, probably have to take two vehicles unless someone has a mighty huge, a huge vehicle. There's lots of luggage, is the way I understand it. Okay. So five more people need a ride. So if that's you and you would like to help with that, talk to Troy. And um, 
I told Troy I'll be his fail-safe, and if no one says yes, I'll help him. So uh, it gives you an opportunity to be involved in it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.